You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Thank you so much. Great song. Thinking about Easter just right around the corner here. And I'm so thankful. Jesus lives. I was walking around the mall yesterday with our teens for the uh, mall madness activity that we had. And uh, I saw that Jehovah's Witnesses have a stand up in there. And uh, they just sit there and smile. But they don't even believe Jesus lives. They believe he's dead. They believe he died on 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 the torture stake, which is what they call it. Uh, uh, so it's, they just believe it was a pole. And I, don't know, I don't know what they think. Nothing crosses on a pole. You know, it's called a cross because there's a cross there. And, uh, but they're giving out information about celebrating Jesus' death. That's kind of morbid. I'm celebrating the fact that Jesus rose again on Easter. And so we're looking forward to that. And uh, so thankful so much that, that Jesus lives. And because of that, we have hope, don't we? Jude 22 in your Bibles. Jude... The Jude 22 sounds like the chapter, I'm sorry. The book of Jude. Say, where is that? Go to the last book in the Bible, Revelation, and go back a book. The book of Jude. And uh, Jude only has one chapter, so we're going to look at a verse here. We are looking at strengthening our church. And uh, what are some qualities and some things we need? I have a, another series that for Sunday night that I'm, I'm very excited about. It just came, just started kind of percolating. Uh, that's the word I'll use. Uh, over the past week or so, of uh, something I want to do as a maybe three or four week series after we're done with this in a few weeks, uh, the Strengthening the Church series. Um, and I want to talk in that series, and, and, and it's not set in stone, but I want to talk about connecting with God. I want to talk about how, um, what does it mean to really walk with God, and, and what does that look like, and, and what if you feel like, you know, you're, you're doing it, you're praying, read your Bible, but but you're not sure, like, am I doing it right? You know, how can I feel that connection with God? Is that the most important thing? How can I be closer to God? And so that, that relationship, that connection with God is something that I want to, to really talk about and preach about a little bit. And I have some great things, some encouraging, hopefully helpful things. And, I've, and uh, we'll see that in just a couple of weeks. I'd like to start that. But uh, we're looking at some things that strengthen our church, and we've looked at nine of them already, things that we need in our church. We need, uh, uh, we need faithfulness. That strengthens a church. Strong homes strengthens a church. Uh, outreach strengthens a church. Going out to our community, reaching people. In reach strengthens our church by helping one another in here. And, and uh, we saw two weeks ago perseverance and uh, just sticking with it through thick and thin. And so tonight, I want us to look at another one, and if you know Jude and you know verse 22, then you probably have already guessed what tonight's message is about. What I'm going to talk about, preach about tonight, compassion. Compassion strengthens the church. Look, if you would, and we're going to look at some scripture tonight and other passages, but Jude, let's begin there, in verse number 20, we'll read through verse 22, but, uh, verse 23, but in verse 20, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. We're going to pray and then talk about compassion. 
Today is actually a very special day for me. I didn't mention this, but uh, today, 32 years ago today, I trusted Christ as Savior. And uh, that was a, sounds like a long time ago. But uh, rejoicing on our spirit, we call it our spiritual birthdays in our family. So on our spiritual birthdays, we always have this routine where we go out to ice cream. And then the person who was saved recounts their testimony and tells about how they got saved. So my kids are probably just now finding out it's my spiritual birthday, but they're excited about the ice cream, so uh, that'll be good. So, but anyway, I just wanted to thank the Lord for my salvation. Let's pray together, and we'll get in. Father, thank you so much, 32 years ago, that I got saved. I thank you, Lord, that the people here tonight, some, many of them, it was much longer ago for them that you moved in. And you changed everything. But we thank you tonight. We just want to praise you for the gift of salvation. And we pray that tonight, as we look at the word of God, that, Lord, we'd be single-minded upon your word and upon what you want to say to us. And that we'd focus in on this idea tonight from Scripture of having compassion. We love you. Bless our message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Some of you may have seen a video or, or seen something like this. But back in 2007... Many years ago, there was a young lady here in California by the name of Edith Rodriguez, and she was dying. 43 years of age, mother of three, uh, began having severe pain in her stomach and went to the hospital. As she went to the hospital, they refused her treatment. She was just lying in the emergency room. They were doing nothing for her. And uh, she began to just clutch her stomach in pain. And I can relate to this. Last year, having appendicitis and for five hours, hardly being talked to in the hospital. But this lady laid there for hours on end in pain. She laid on the ground for 45 minutes. No one said a word to her. No one did anything. Her boyfriend called 911, telling them that they refused her service. People uh, from the staff began walking over her as she lay on the ground. The police officers that were in there that were called because there was a disturbance, so they were more concerned with whether or not she was on parole or what her situation was, more so than the fact that she lay there vomiting blood. The, the janitor came around and, and saw the blood and, and began mopping it up all around her face as she lay on the ground as she lay there for so long, and other people in the, in the room began calling uh, uh, other uh, hospitals and 911 and, and all of this, trying to get her help, and nobody was doing anything. One person on the phone, a, a 911 worker, uh, got really sarcastic with one of the people that called and got disciplined for it after the investigation. Turns out the hospital had been cited in four years. They'd been cited every single year for their treatment of people. That young lady, 43, I think is pretty young. They put her on a stretcher finally, and she lay there and died in the hospital. All on video, as people stepped over this lady. No compassion. And I, I don't know if it's just a part of the job where you become so calloused to people. I've experienced it, not to this degree, but when you go and you visit and, and you're at the hospital and you expect it to be, they call themselves primary care physicians. They say they're there to care, but sometimes, sadly, not, not all of them, of course, but, but, many of, but some of them, I should say, some of them don't seem to care very much. And what we are dealing with here in, in this scripture passage is compassion. Now, for years, uh, I used to look at this verse and say, and some have compassion, and man, they make a difference. That's not what the verse says. If you'll look at your Bibles again, 
The verse says, and it seems like a weird wording, it says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. So it doesn't say, and some people have just got compassion. That's not what it's saying there. The book of Jude is talking uh, about warning about false prophets and kind of getting them out uh, of, the, uh, of the lives of Christians who are, in, uh, who are being tripped up by the false doctrine that's being taught. And it's talking about keeping yourselves, the previous verse there, building up yourselves in your faith so that you're not tricked and deceived by false prophets, keeping yourselves in love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it talks about what you can do for others. And it says, and of some have compassion. And then verse 23 says, uh, verse, yeah, 23, I'm still without my glasses, so i got to get closer here. And others save with fear. So instead of being led astray, it's saying, hey, with some people what you need to do is, and of some have compassion. And dealing with some people, they need compassion, and that makes a difference. But with other people, you got to save them like a fireman and, and arrest their attention. It's talking about different ways of dealing with people. I've sat down with teenagers through my years as youth pastor and said, hey, I see your life going this way, and I don't think you're going to like the destination. I don't think you're going to like where that ends up if you go that way. And, it's, you know, and sometimes teens listen and sometimes teens don't. And I don't like being right about those things. But all I'm saying is this. This does teach us, though, to have compassion. But I wanted to help you with the, with the uh, understanding of the verse there. But uh, compassion does make a difference. Compassion. What is compassion? In the Webster's Dictionary, 1828, it says compassion is a suffering with another. Your suffering is almost like an empathy. It's painful sympathy, commiseration, a mixed passion. It's love and sorrow. But the Bible word for compassion means to show kindness or concern to someone in need. See, our world defines compassion as, oh, man, I just feel so bad. But the Word of God defines compassion as showing kindness or concern to someone in need. Being merciful to them is the word. It's doing something about it. I remember years ago, probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago, it was a rainy March or whatever time of year it was. And we came outside and there was a little dog out here. Tiny little beige chihuahua. And, uh, and it was just up against our building over here by the chapel. And, you know, it was just shivering, didn't have a collar on, didn't have a tag on. And I tell you that people just began, like, blessing this dog. This poor dog that we don't know where it came from. Oh, 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 you know, owners never came looking for it. But within like 24 hours, that dog had a bed out here. That dog had a watering dish out there. That dog had food out there. I'm surprised somebody didn't knit it a sweater. I mean, it was taken care of. Yeah, it was still a little chilly, as cold as California gets. And, and it was raining a little bit, but he was safe in the little covert there. And man, I'm going to tell you, that dog was... And finally, one of the people in our church adopted it. And it became their dog. I don't know whatever happened to the dog, but I believe the dog was named Lucky. And yeah, it sure was. 
But you know what? It's amazing to me to see, and, and that's what, look, that's, that is compassion. It wasn't just painful sympathy. It was love and sorrow, but it was action with it. And it stirred people to do something. They looked upon a situation. They looked upon this little puppy. They looked upon, well, it was kind of, I think, full grown at the time. But they looked upon this little dog, and they felt, oh, I should do something. And they did it. You say, well, Pastor, you sound... I'm happy people help the dog. But what I'm upset about is that people in our world seem to care more about animals than they do humans. We care more about a dog than we do about the lost soul sleeping right next to it. We care more about an animal getting hurt than we do about human beings being hurt. Than we do about human beings that are, that are suffering, human beings that are dying, human beings that are, 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 that are a living soul that, that Jesus died for and cares about. And we'll feel more uh, compassion for an animal. And we'll look at someone and say, well, that's their own fault. They got in that situation. Serves them right. We don't know why people are in the situation they're in. We have no idea if that lady on the street is living on the street because she's trying to escape a battered home. We've got no clue. But we have compassion if they look right, if they, if they act right. But we've got to learn compassion. Compassion. Take your Bible, go to Luke chapter 7. Are you all with me tonight? All right, Luke chapter 7. We're getting somewhere here. Luke chapter 7. I want to show you who did Jesus have compassion on? Did Jesus just have compassion upon the king or, or, or someone that was rich, you know, but going through a difficult time? Someone famous? Is that who Jesus went to? Someone that could do something for him? No, I want you to look at who Jesus went through. Number one, I want to say this. Who did Jesus show compassion to and who should we show compassion to? Number one, the losers. That's just mean to call people a loser. I don't mean that they are losers in life. I mean they have lost something. They've lost. They, 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 they lose something. Verse, no, chapter 7 of Luke, look at verse 12. Chapter 7, verse 12. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion. Compassion on her. He said unto her, weep not. And he came and touched the bier. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. It says here at verse 12 that it was a dead man, but it was a younger man. This widow had lost her husband. Now she's lost her son. And Jesus goes to that person and has compassion. Someone who had lost something. Someone who had suffered. That's who Jesus had compassion on. I think about the people in our city, the children, that grow up in some of these homes that just never have a chance. They, they just don't seem to have a chance because of the home they grow up in or, the or their parents gave up on them. Somebody walked out on them. Those who've experienced great loss, they've lost a son, they've lost a daughter, they've lost a spouse, they've lost a mom, they've lost a dad, they've, they've lost. And there are people everywhere in our church and in our world that have lost things and they're suffering. And that's who Jesus went to. Now, you can't raise the dead. You can't bring people back to life. But we can help. 
We can pray. We can offer help. We'll talk about that at the end a little bit. But we can care. We can care. We had, uh, for a long time, an addictions ministry here to helping people that have lost part of their life because of addiction. I'd love to have another one. I wish we'd have some people raise up and say, hey, I'd be willing to work in that as a job, as a, as a pastor, I should say. I walk through a lot of graveyards. Not because I like walking through graveyards, but it just kind of goes with the territory. There's a funeral, and there's a graveside, and so you go to the graveyard. And as I go to these graveyards all throughout Long Beach and, and in Whittier and, and Riverside and just everywhere around here, I go to, these, I go to these, these graveyards and I'll walk through the graveyard as I'm waiting for people to get there. I'm showing up early and I'll walk through and I remember seeing one over here, I think it was in Whittier, here's a four-year-old girl, her gravestone. You walk over here and there's a nine-year-old boy. You walk over here, there's a 95-year-old person. You walk here, and there's a 21-year-old uh, a husband. And, 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 just, and you just see, like, all of these gravestones are representing loss. They're representing that they lost their life, but a family member has felt the loss of that person. And, and, and we see that everywhere. And you know what? We need to have compassion upon people like this. We need to look around and say, hey, who feels lonely at Valentine's Day because their spouse passed away? Who feels lonely? Who, who, who has lost something at Christmas time? Birthdays. We had the losers, but not only the losers, Jesus showed, com showed compassion on the lonely. I just mentioned that, but the lonely. Would you take your Bible and go to the book of Matthew chapter 8? We're going to be in Matthew for a few minutes here. Matthew chapter number 8. Matthew 8, verse 1, Jesus showed compassion on the lonely. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, it says this. <clears throat> when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony in them. Here's a leper coming to Jesus. Was a leper? Someone that had leprosy. What was a leper in those days? I'll tell you what he was. He was an outcast. He was someone not allowed around other people because it was contagious, and so they would have their colonies, their leper colonies, but they were taken from their family. I mean, the, the, talk about people that lost things. They would lose limbs. They, they would lose the life that they were living. They would lose their family. Everything stopped, and now they're excluded, and now the leper is on the outside looking in. Whereas, hey, he was living his life, now all of a sudden he's taken and he's gone and he's living by himself. A solitary type of confinement for the rest of his life. That was leprosy. What did Jesus do? He went to the leper. He went and he showed compassion on the leper. I remember when we lived uh, in an apartment just a mile or two away from here. It was just my wife and I and I think Titus at the time. We had a downstairs neighbor, Mrs. Hecox. And she was, I think in her 80s, she never complained about us being loud, thankfully, probably because she couldn't hear us. But, uh, 
But I remember living there for several years with Mrs. Hecox living underneath, underneath us. And we'd see her, we'd talk to her, say hi to her, all this stuff. But can I tell you, in all the years living there, here was this dear, sweet old lady. I never saw, in all the years living there, I never saw one visitor. Not one. Not one person that I can ever remember coming and visiting Mrs. Hecox. She died in that apartment. But what I cannot, and I remember that, and I remember her, I cannot remember one person ever coming and visiting her. But a lot of people live a lonely life. Do you know that a lot of people don't have what you have? They don't have a church family. They don't have family that comes and visits them. When I go to these nursing homes and these convalescent centers and things, there are people that are there that no one comes to see. And they're lonely. What are, do, do we have compassion on these people? Do, do we see people walking down the street? Do we see people in our apartments? Do we see people in our, our, our street or at work that they're just alone? Jesus had compassion on these people. I see not only that Jesus had compassion on the losers and the lonely, but Jesus had compassion on the unlovely. Look, if you would, at Matthew chapter 8 again. And by the way, if, if people don't have a family, we've got a church family big enough to help them out. We have a family. There's plenty of room in our family for people in our community to come in. The unlovely, look at Matthew chapter number 8. Jesus also had compassion on the unlovely. Chapter 8, verse 28. And when he was come to the other side and to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. I mean, people didn't even go by these guys. They were possessed with devils. They wouldn't even go over there. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Now here it says two. In Mark, it only talks about the one maniac of Gadara, but there were two. And we all know what happened. It, it, most of us probably remember the story there that Jesus cast out the demons. And the, the, one of the young men, at least, were clothed and sitting in their right mind. Here's people that everybody else avoided. They were the weirdos. They were the ones living in the tombs naked. They were the ones that no one wanted to talk to. The unlovely. Jesus went to them. Why? Because he had compassion. He had compassion on the lepers, the lame, the blind, the deaf, the dumb, the disturbed, the broken, the outcast. That's who Jesus went to. He didn't come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. He, he said, they that be whole need no physician. He didn't come to save those who thought they were sanctimonious and their self-righteous would get them to heaven. No, he came for the broken and, and, and mended broken hearts because he's the great physician. That's what he did. All across Long Beach, there are unlovely people. Last two days, we've had people come in off the street that obviously had something going on, whether drugs or something, and, and, and yelling, and, and we've had to uh, try to help those people find a, a, a place where they you know, are not going to do that. But, but there are unlovely people everywhere. There's, there's people that other people think are outcast or weird or whatever it may be that some others would turn a nose up to. There are people that, that, that are around our city that others, when they see them, hurry away from them and, or, or shepherd their children to the other side of the street or something like that. But those people still have a soul. Those people still go to heaven or hell when they die. Those people are still were people that Jesus died for on the cross. And if, if a church is not going to have compassion upon unlovely people, who will? 
We need to have compassion for people, for the man of the street, for the handicapped, for the one that with a disease or an illness, for the one who seems angry all the time, for the person with a disability or an infirmity or deformity, people with tattoos on their face, people with earrings in their nose, people with, with uh, the, the big loops that stick out, people that uh, have cut their bodies. All of those are peopled with a soul. And, I'm, and I, I look at Jesus, and he looked past the outward, and he said, there's a soul in there. There's a hurting person in there that he had compassion on. That he had compassion on. Where are the stories in our churches anymore? Where are the stories of the converted lives and of the people that, that, that lived this way for so long, and, and man, they got gloriously saved? You know why we're not seeing those stories? Because not enough people have compassion to go and say, hey, Jesus loves you. You can trust Christ as Savior and He'll change your life. The power hasn't changed. The gospel hasn't changed. Jesus hasn't changed. Maybe the way we look at people changed. Maybe we've forgotten that we were such as them. We were just as bad as other sinners, but someone told us. The unlovely. Christ showed compassion upon them. He loved them. He sorrowed over them. Who else did Christ show compassion on? The lost. Jesus showed compassion on the lost. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. We're getting close to the end. Stay with me. Matthew 5, 9, 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? Compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He was moved. There was, there was action involved. Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Who was Jesus having compassion? He was looking out at people that had no shepherd. People that there were some say, but many were just lost. And, and he looked out at the lost people. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he had compassion. A big part of soul winning and telling people about Christ is compassion. Compassion for the lost. For people you've never met. For people who may be not happy to see you. But still having compassion. Compassion says, I see that they are on their way to hell. And I care about that. And it's moving me to do something. Even if they don't see it, I see it and I care. Soul winning ought to be an everyday thing. Witnessing ought to be an everyday thing. Would to God that we had a compassion for souls that we stopped looking so much at the outward and said, you know what, inside of there, there's somebody that needs salvation. Inside of that person, there's a soul that needs to be saved so they can go to heaven. Jesus had compassion on those that have lost things, the losers, the lonely those that the world would deem unlovely, the lost. And lastly, Jesus had compassion on the little ones. On the little ones. Look at Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Jesus had compassion on the little ones. Matthew 19, verse 13. The Bible says, Then there were brought unto him little children, and he that he should put, forth, put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuke them. <laughs> He's rebuking these little kids. 
And Jesus said, suffer or allow little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. And the book of Mark, it actually says that Jesus took them up in his arms. Jesus actually was very protective of children. Talked a lot about what would happen if you offend one of these little ones. It's very evident in scripture that children hold a very special place in God's heart. He protects them. Which is why it's such a travesty what we do to children in our nation. What we do with unborn children in our nation. What we do with children in homes in our nation. It's a travesty that God sees. The Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless. You know, we, we, we ought to be going out. We're hoping to, you know, our bus situation has been such a nightmare. But we're hoping to get our buses back up and running soon. Why? Because there are little children that need the gospel. We ought to be going out in our community and bringing them in. But hey, we'll take the big kids too. We'll take the 60-year-old kids too, you know. We'll bring anybody that wants to get to church to church. Because what? We want to have compassion on people, on the little ones that are growing up and going to a public school around here that tells them that, no, there is no God. And uh, they were just, they evolved from some primordial ooze of nothing. And they have no meaning or purpose in life. And they can be whatever they want to be. If they want to be a lion, they can be a lion. If they're a boy, they want to be a girl, they can do that. If they want to be nothing, if they want to be no gen And we have all of this garbage being fed to our children and the devil's just having his way. And there ought to be some compassion amongst Christians saying, I, I'm not standing for this. Compassion makes a difference. So what's the answer? Let me just say briefly a couple things and I'm done. First of all, I'd encourage you tonight to begin praying for a compassionate heart. God, give me eyes to see. Lord, help me see people how you see people. When you look at that person walking down our street, talking to himself and yelling and grasping at the air, who knows what he's even seeing? God, help me to have compassion. Help me to see people as you see. Pray for a compassionate heart. I'd say, secondly, notice the plight of people. Notice. It, it, sometimes we can go to work or we can do certain things and, and, we're, and, and we just get into a routine and we forget that the people that we work with are people. We forget that neighbor that doesn't pick up after their dog or that neighbor that's always playing loud music, that, that they're a soul. And, and we need to look at them and say, hey, what are they going through? Notice. Notice the plight of people. Pray for a compassionate heart. But then I say, lastly, do something. Do something. So what do I do? You let God lead you in that. But do something. It might just be to invite them to church. It might be to say, hey, come over to, to my house for, or my apartment for some coffee. Hey, can I invite you over? Hey, Easter's coming up. I don't know if you're going anywhere, but we'd love for you to be our guest. Hey, I noticed this. I want to do this. Maybe it's a note of encouragement. Maybe it's noticing someone down on their luck and handing them a couple dollars. But do something. Compassion is not just a feeling. It's something that stirs up in you to, to do something about it. And if God is saying to do something, then I would say, do that. If there's a spiritual impulse, do it. I think of the story of the Good Samaritan. The Bible says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. The man that had been beaten and robbed, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds. He was a Samaritan. had no dealings with Jewish people, but he sees a Jewish man and he takes care of him. And Jesus' whole illustration was to say this. Which one of those people was the neighbor? Which one of those people 
treated that person like a neighbor. He says, love your neighbor. And the, and the rich young ruler, or, who, or the, the, the uh, lawyer, whatever it was, came to Jesus and said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, let me tell you a story. Here's this guy been beaten. The priest walks by, does nothing. The Levite walks by, does nothing. But the man that his culture is completely different, enemies of culture, and yet he stops and does something. Which one of those was the neighbor? Which one of those had compassion? And Jesus said, hey, that's what we ought, we ought to be doing. That's how we ought to be living. And I want to encourage you tonight to pray for compassion. Pray for, it's, not, uh, you know, it's not just a thing that women have. Uh, well, women care about people. You know, they, no, compassion is for all of us to care about people and to do something about it. And I don't know what God's going to work on you about or who needs compassion in your life or what you can do about it. But if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, I encourage you to do something. Father, we thank you for your compassion for our state. Because you loved us, it moved you.